0: Raising awareness and amplifying your message now on Signal Boost.
1: Welcome back to Signal Boost. I'm Zerlena Maxwell. It's 8 o'clock on the East Coast and it is Tuesday, March the 8th. It's International Women's Day. And as we said, we are joined by the Chelsea Clinton. Um, And we're so excited to talk to her today about she persisted in science.
0: Because, oh, Zerlina, thank you for having me on International Women's Day. I'm yes. so excited to so excited to be together.
1: I'm so excited to start the day this way, but I'm also very excited to talk about STEM and why it's so important to engage people of all backgrounds in focusing on women in STEM.
0: Well, Zerlina, it's so nice to see you and Jess this morning, and happy International Women's Day this morning while my kids were like, eating their cereal and their bananas, I was like, Happy International Women's Day. And they were like, it's 630 in the morning, mom. Um, (laughs) And I'm so excited to talk about this issue in particular today. um, Because I think a lot of people and especially a lot of parents aren't aware of how our our daughters or the, you know, our nieces, our younger sisters, the the little girls in our life, you know, in elementary school have like, equal dreams of kind of yeah. growing up and doing things in science and math, like growing up and being engineers or astronauts or architects or inventors, even if they may not know what an inventor actually is, they know that they create things and that sounds exciting to them. But starting in like late elementary or middle school, we see a real decline of girls kind of expressing those same dreams. They may have them, but they're less vocal about them. And we also, in middle school, see girls raising their hands less in math and science class. And we see teachers of of all genders actually calling on girls less. And so it becomes this really pernicious cycle of the teachers often call on the boys because the boys are like, oh, shouting out the answer like 52 or botany or, you know, Mars and the girls are often less assertive and so the teachers then start calling on the boys more and then the teachers aren't calling on the girls as much and the girls are raising their hands less and then they're starting to think well my views my opinions my aspirations in math and science are somehow you know less less valid less valuable and so you know one of my main kind of hopes is not only through kind of she persisted in science that kind of little girls and little boys alike look up to amazing women know scientists but also that parents you know maybe just take a little extra care to nurture their their daughter's dreams um in in science and in math um, because we want everyone's potential um to be able to thrive and flourish because that'll make the world safer and healthier and more interesting for all of us
2: this is one of those issues that i would have hoped was resolved by now. I mean, when Zerlina and I were in school, all all of us are about the same age. When we were in school, we were actually taught that boys have a greater aptitude for math and science than girls do. Like that was just sort of presented to us as fact um, when we were old enough to receive that kind of information. Of course, it's hogwash. That's not true at all. (laughs) But, you know, 30 years later, it feels like the intervention shouldn't be as necessary Mm -hmm. or would be able to be like well let's just get the info to the teachers like we shouldn't need to have to go after the five-year-olds because that's where the issue is but has i mean what what kind of progress has been made since we were all kids
0: you know i think about this um as in the kind of through the lens of of computer science because it is often kind of now what we think of when we think of of science because technology affects all of our lives i mean we are talking and seeing each other you know on on zoom and people are listening to us you know maybe online or the radio and <laughs> um computer science i think painfully um kind of illuminates um what happens when we don't kind of continually care and and nurture um women and girls especially and so you know when i got my first computer from santa claus in 1987 um, mm-hmm. Santa Claus, my, my Commodore computer that I played. Oh,
2: I had an apple two GS. Yes. Yeah, super nerdy
0: <laughs> math games on. Um, and then later, you know, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Um, yes, you know, yes. Women were about a third of the computer science graduates. And then by the time I went to Stanford, um, you know, in the late nineties, like early two thousands, like women were like just under a quarter of computer science graduates across the United States. And, and now, we're like you know, between fifteen and twenty percent in any given year, Ugh. and so even though the number of places across four-year colleges and universities across community colleges for computer science have actually grown, so the denominator has grown, um, the percentage of of women has just continued to shrink. Now, thankfully, there are real bright spots. I mean, if we look at you know other sciences, if we look at kind of medical school, we do see you know women, not only kind of showing up in equal, but larger percentages, you know, really thriving, really kind of doing extraordinary things, but that's uneven progress. Um, And in some places, it's actually a regression. And so, to your point, Jess, about starting in kindergarten, we do have to start early. And the onus, though, shouldn't be on our kindergarten students, the onus really needs to be on, on teachers and administrators on on parents, and also, as always, on our culture and our society, because, you know, there are still T-shirts, right, that you can buy that have terrible messaging about, mm-hmm. like, you know, boys, like, being heroes and girls being princesses. I'm too
2: pretty for math. Yeah,
0: I'm too pretty for math. And all of that, like, you know, has an effect. Clearly, we know yeah. that.
2: Yeah. I'm just
1: glad that we're, we call those things out much quicker. Um, and usually there's some sort of Twitter hashtag or some sort of movement that, um makes those things not able to be sold. <laughs> Generally, in, it, in 2022, there's usually some sort of backlash. You mentioned that you wanted this book, and, and the series of books, frankly, um, you know, to be shown to kids of all backgrounds, right? Boys, girls, um, kids of any gender, non-binary kids, all kids. Um, and I think it's really important to, to highlight, we've talked on the show before, about why boys, specifically, need exposure to women in STEM and or, or just women in positions of power. And I think a lot about that as I think about the work Jess and I have done <laughs> um, in the past um, and some of the obstacles we've observed uh, when working for um, a woman who is trying to be in a position of power um, and, and how difficult it is to navigate that in a world where people aren't used to seeing that.
0: Well, I think, Zerlina, you know, the answer is in your question, right? To help change how how people, and admittedly, in this instance, you know, especially you know, men and boys think of of women in leadership positions, whether that is in positions of of political authority with political power, or kind of having their own lab, or their own clinical practice, or their own architecture firm, or being an astronaut, and you know, I um never want to only like you know think about anecdotes or my own life and yet I do really see how powerful this is with with my own children I have you know a daughter and two sons and you know my my middle son you know who is in kindergarten so is in this age that we've been talking about um you know he thinks Katherine Johnson is the smartest person who like ever lived because he read that she skipped a few years of math in school And he just thinks that that is like the greatest achievement ever because he's in kindergarten. He's like, wait, I have to be in school for like many more years to come. Like, what can I do to accelerate this? And someone like figured out a hack and then helped like send people to space. Like, I wanted to do that. Um, And so for him, you know, that is like what intelligence means for him. And if you like ask him or or his older sister like who's an astronaut like they probably know three astronauts they know sally ride eleanor choa and neil armstrong and so like a majority of the people that they know of as astronauts and i know we have sent many 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 more people to space but you know they're five and seven we're we're working on it but, but that's kind of their understanding of of who gets to go to space is is really powerful because it is really important to me as a parent that of course like my sons feel validated and supported and facilitated in becoming the best versions of themselves they also though need to feel responsible for helping their sister and the other women in their lives becoming the best versions of themselves um, and so i think that we have to start that with with the role models we bring into their lives and the stories we tell them and who is included and represented in those stories and ellen ochoa who i write about you know in in this book, um, who was the first Hispanic director of the Johnson um, Space Center, which they, my kids find like amazing that there's this whole place that helps keep astronauts safe, but like we're on earth while astronauts are like up in the sky, you know, and she helped I me. Mean, manage- it's deeply cool. Oh, it is yes. deeply cool. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: <laughs> you know, she, she talks about how like, she didn't know like women could be engineers or astronauts because she didn't know any women scientists or any w- women who worked in anything related to science or math growing up. And so, you know, I think that's also important for our kids to hear like, oh, these amazing people also needed role models. but Sometimes they had to become those role models for themselves and now for you too.
2: Do you ever have to, I, I worry, I mean, there's, there's this, this sort of conversation around like, if we talk only about girls, then the boys are going to feel left out. Like, and it, it sort of misses the fact that you know girls grow up with heroes who are not women and you know we're that's not good but we don't chafe at hearing that men have accomplished great things like we learn who neil armstrong is and we're not like but he's not a girl i don't care was it hard to get your sons to pick up a book that call that's called she persisted in science did you have to explain why it was about girls or did are they just these are cool people doing cool things. And the fact that they're girls are secondary.
0: Yeah, I think that it's thankfully the latter. It is like, these are cool people doing um, cool things. And I think that is because, um, you know, from like their earliest days on planet earth, you know, the the books that we have read to all of our children um, are, are full of, of a variety and a diversity of of voices and lived experiences or in fictional circumstances, imagined experiences. And so I think thankfully, Jess, like there wasn't a a need to persuade. Although also I have to be totally candid, like my boys worship their big sister. Um, like the sun revolves around not me, their mother, but around her <laughs> big sister. And so, like by definition, admittedly, anything that like Charlotte deems cool and worthy, they're like, That's what I want to do, too. So, I have to Love be that. totally transparent. That <laughs> is, it. I like to think my parents' choices throughout their lives. <laughs> I also have to acknowledge the influence of their big sister.
1: That's amazing. I love the I love that so much. Um, because I'm a big sister. <laughs> so uh, so like, like yeah, yeah to, shout out to. to big sisters. Um, one of the other things I think about, I mean, it's International Women's Day. So we're doing a moment where we're trying to think about the world that we're living in. And when we started the show this mm-hmm. morning, we both agreed that we were looking forward to talking to you because you're you're always optimistic. I mean, the world right now is tough. Um, The world, there are so many problems. um, And if you sort of miss one, there's 10 more, you know, that you can notice the next day because it's all happening. I call it an intersecting dystopia in a lot of ways. Um, But again, I'm not as optimistic as you. That's why I call it an intersecting dystopia. Um, And so my question is, how do you maintain that? Um, you know, we've all sort of gone through obstacles in our lives and and, you know, we're having personal obstacles in the middle of all of this. How are you waking up every day and just saying, OK. Keep my eye on the prize, stay positive and look forward to a future that's going to be better than what we're currently experiencing.
0: Well, I mean, there's certainly um, I mean, it is a lot right now. is really I mean, not only the ongoing. Um, Crisis in Ukraine and the Russian war of aggression in Ukraine. And the UN today said there are now more than two million refugees who left Ukraine. Right. The UN last week, you issued a new report. You know that climate change is happening even more aggressively and more severely, more quickly than they thought. Only like you know, a couple of years previously, and the ongoing humanitarian crises from you know Yemen to Myanmar to. this morning i read in the new york times about um like an unprecedented learning loss especially for our most vulnerable children who are desperately behind in reading um and yet we know how to you know address some of those challenges we know how to help catch kids up on reading we know what we need to do to change how we produce and consume energy we just need you know political will to do it we know of what we especially here in the United States could be doing to help um, stop the bombing the indiscriminate bombing of Yemen we know what we could be doing to try to help provide more relief to um, the millions of people who've been suffering now for years in Myanmar I mean we do you know we do know what we need to do to try to help alleviate suffering in the here and now to help support our most vulnerable in the United States and around the world and so I can either focus on you know the cascade of tragedy and and terror that so many people are living under, the kind of existential threat of climate change, and I think your kind of you know intersecting dystopias is a really painfully apt description, or I can think about like what can I do to try to hasten the arrival of those solutions? Um, what can I do in the here and now to try to be part of um something good happening instead of just being kind of complicit and a bystander to the bad um and and i and i choose to live like in the what can i do space instead of just kind of you know being um a a horror voyeur or a bystander to like the, the, the terrible things happening around the world or even just like here in in new york city um you know where we live so I just, I I want to be, you know, as my mom would say, like in the solutions business, like I want to be in the, like, (laughs) what can we do business? Um, And also I don't want to be depressed all the time. And like, I have three small kids to take care of. If I'm like in bed with the covers over my head, like kids aren't going to get fed, like, you know, things aren't (laughs) going to happen and I'm just going to feel worse about myself. So I'd rather help take care of like the small world of my life, of my kids, and try to do whatever I can as like one person. You know, for the for the larger world of like our our city and our country and our and our globe, and maybe that sounds Pollyannish, but I'd rather be accused of that than like be accused of just um, kind of being cynical all the time. Because I think cynicism yeah. is like the great tool of people who want to protect the status quo, and the status quo sucks right now. And I don't want to live in the status quo. I want to live in a different <laughs> world. I want my kids to grow up in a different world, and so that's what I choose to focus
2: on. Thank you. That was incredibly helpful. <laughs> how do you talk about this stuff with your kids? Like Zerlina and I can't give advice to our listeners who are trying to navigate this stuff with young children who are old enough to see images and ask questions and and hear their parents have conversations. And I, I wouldn't even know where to start explaining any of this to a five year old or a seven year old. how how do you how do you do it?
0: So you know our our seven and our five year old um, I don't I listen to the I listen to the BBC World Service or NPR quite early in the morning before they wake up and if like one of them wakes up early I often do like turn it off because the the audio imagery is so graphic these days and so I I start answering your question you know in that way just because I do think it is important that we um kind of talk to our kids about the world that they're living in but in age-appropriate ways and so you know and and not everything because i don't want them to get overwhelmed and i also want them to feel like oh all right there's some things the adults need to sort out and then there are some things that i can i can be involved in you know even as a kid and so we did talk about the new climate change report last week um my um my kids love animals i mean it is a fairly common love for children um how that is expressed varies quite widely. I've written books about endangered species. And sometimes I have kids come up and they're like, why didn't you include frogs? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't
2: include frogs. Like hopefully next time. I love that. But like the, like the, like the accusatoriness <laughs> is like so intense. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. I'm sorry. I did something terribly
0: <laughs> wrong. Um, and so we talk about that. And then we talk about how, you know, like, as, as voters, like mom and dad, like vote for people who have the, you know, authority to um, help change kind of how we're, you know, producing and consuming energy. But, you know, as little people, you know, they can help like recycle and turn off the lights and conserve water. Now, I don't think that's just what adults should be doing. I think sometimes we think as adults, we're like, oh gosh, like I'm recycling and conserving water. I'm doing my part. Like, no, like you're an adult. You need to take responsibility for how we got here and how we get out of this, but as mm-hmm. kids, that's exactly what kids should be focused on. That's exactly how right. kids should be empowering themselves and so you know we we talk about um, we we talk about kind of big issues that affect their lives in ways that hopefully they can do something about. and then my husband is half um, Ukrainian Jewish, and so we have been talking about um, what's been happening um, in in Ukraine um, and kind of why why their dad is so um, focused on, especially what he can do to try to help, uh, but again, at age appropriate ways. So we don't completely shelter them and pretend that like everything is um, like roses and unicorns and rainbows in the world. Um, but we also don't talk to them, you know, about like the the most graphic horrors of what's happening. Like, and like, you know, when the New York Times came this weekend and there was that devastating photograph by yeah. Lindsay Goddario, Right, I like made sure it wasn't on our kitchen counter because yeah. I I don't want to have to have that conversation with my children who are in kindergarten first grade. I also though don't want them to think that there aren't um, kind of big things happening in the world that are upsetting. Um, I just think we have to calibrate um, at an age appropriate level, and every parent, every family has to kind of find that right balance for themselves.
1: What are you looking forward to?
0: Oh my gosh! Well. Um, What am I looking forward to? I um, am so excited um, today on International Women's Day to try to focus as much time and energy on highlighting amazing women and to try to give all of us reasons to be inspired and to feel hopeful because of the really extraordinary things that women have done, that women are doing. Um, Because I think, Serlina, sometimes we have to create our own hope or remind ourselves (laughs) of reasons to be hopeful. Um, and I think that is especially true today. And so I am going to try to create my own um, kind of hope and, and share that hope today. Tomorrow, I'm going to South by Southwest where, um, you know, I'll be super excited to be with kind of young, um, young people who are like trying to hack our way into a better future, who are you know using technology to help solve very real challenges in their own lives. I'm also going to talk about how devastated I am to be in Texas in a state with a governor and general who are um, inserting politics into preventing trans kids from getting not only gender affirming, but often life affirming care that they need. And for all of the vaunted like family values party actually like disrupting um, the way that families are valuing and validating um, and supporting and loving their children and are preventing pediatricians from actually like making good on their Hippocratic oath. Um, so, I think that also has to be part of optimism is, is standing up and speaking out when like just terrible things are happening. Um, and as we know, there are lots of terrible things happening. Though there are also lots of really good things from happening are happening right now. And I think we have to balance um, focusing on the good, supporting the good, amplifying the good, reminding ourselves of the good, um, but also always you know, calling out um, the things that are are really damaging um, that are happening all over the country and around the world right now.
2: I want to thank you for hanging out with us this morning, also for the book, She Persisted in Science. It is one that I will be buying for all of the littles in my life. Um, and just, you know, generally for for being the sort of ray of pragmatic optimism that you are like, it's not Pollyanna It is absolutely what we need. Like, we have to be as flinty as we possibly can, in our our desire and urge to do the most good. And thank you for always modeling that for for adults and kids alike. Oh, well, thank you so much.
0: Um, Justin Zerlina. Um, and I also just I have to I promised Aiden I would try to mention Gladys West in every interview I did about (laughs) Just, I know we're like out of time, but- No, go ahead. (laughs) But he's obsessed with her because like my kids, they can't imagine like back when we were children in the eighties and nineties that we got lost or our parents got lost or our grandparents got lost. And like, we had maps, like there wasn't like Google map (laughs) on your phone that could like help discern where you were and get you from like point A to B. And so Aiden is is also just like, she was a genius. And I'm like, she was a genius. And he's like, she's why we don't get lost. And I'm like, yeah, she and other people who helped like, you know, bring her technology into like real life applications. So I just realized like we were out of time and I am trying to commit like, keep my commitment. You're keeping to your God. promise to
2: Aiden. I totally, <laughs> and that's and- who
0: I write about in the book. And I had to write about it about in the book because my children, but especially Aiden are like, she helps us find ourselves.
2: I'm like, okay, that may be I more love that. what we do in
0: church and synagogue. But yeah, okay, she helps us find ourselves.
2: Look, if you find yourself in the like, I've always thought that there was a lot more overlap between church and science than we give it credit for. So Absolutely, that is the church where you okay, find yourself. So that is where you we can find now yourself. report faithfully to
0: Aiden. Well One time. more interview, Gladys West mentioned. <laughs>
2: And we can all thank Gladys West today when yes. we are not um, unfolding a map seventy six times and first trying to figure out where you are on the map, or you're trying to figure out where you're going, like because it's not the mall. It doesn't kid? have the right. little
1: icon. There's
2: no you are you here. A real map. You have to start there. Right. Where am I okay? <laughs> now what? Yeah. No. It's a. That's that's just a definite improvement. Like it's just I got a lost a lot. Is what I'm trying you to did. say. Get lost a lot. <laughs> Chelsea Clinton, thank you so much for joining thank us this morning. Thank so you much it's for been, having me. Thank, so you. I, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening.